uh, the senior pastor here. And a few announcements I want you to be aware of. Uh, first of all, if you are sitting on the outside of your row, so you are closest to the wall, if you could grab that register in front of you, we'd love for everybody to take the time to fill that out. Uh, there's a place for you to share any prayer requests that you may have and also any praises that we can celebrate with you. Uh, just as a reminder, those do not go out to everybody in the church. It just goes to our elders, the pastors, and the wives. And so we'd love to be praying and celebrating with you along the way. Uh, a couple other things. If you came prepared to give, uh, you can do one of two ways. Number one, you can give physically. And we have a box in the lobby to the right. Uh, you see a box on the wall. You can place it in there. You can also go online at mygospelcc.org and give that way. I uh, would love to give you an update on the end of the year giving. Uh, we had asked the church to consider uh, giving towards this, and we were praying for $10,000, and you guys exceeded that. So praise the Lord. We got over, over 10500 last count, so thank you for your generosity. Uh, that's, gonna go, that's not going to go to the church. It's going to go outside, as we mentioned, uh, to Brad McCohen and his church plant, Mercy Hill Chapel, in the Indy area. Uh, some of that's going to go to our friend who's uh, planting his Hispanic church just across 33, Pastor Louise and his church. And then the rest is going to go to benevolence to help the needs of our church family. So thank you, thank you on behalf of the elders. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, I, I'm, frankly, I'm quite blown away. I thought 10000 was too much to ask, but then I realized, Ben, who's your God, right? Praise the Lord. Thank you for, for that. Excited to be able to share those gifts with our friends a couple other things coming up. We have a ladies' study uh, that is starting January 10th. So we need to sign up ASAP by tomorrow, ladies, if you want to be a part of that. You can find all the information online. Uh, there's something new that you may have not noticed over the last couple Sundays. There is a QR code on the front of the seats in front of you. That just takes you directly to the announcements, the things that we're talking about, basically the events that are ongoing. So if you, like, oh, i got to remember that. And you have your phone, you can scan that real quick. That will take you right to there. Make sure you sign up for that and are ready for that. Uh, lastly, there's a youth retreat coming up uh, February 3rd through 5th. Uh, the cost is $100. Uh, as we always say uh, to, to, to those of you who want to send a child but maybe money is an issue, please don't ever let that be an issue. If you just can't afford a single dollar, the church is here. We want to help send your child to experience just refreshment together, be challenged by the word of God. And so you can sign up online for that. That's grades 6 through 12. If you have further questions, please reach out to me. And again, please don't let money be the reason why you would not come. We can help cover the cost for you. Well, now let me invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Now as we begin the new year, uh, a lot of people do some kind of New Year's resolution or some kind of new focus for the year. How many of you have made something along those lines for this year? Raise your hand. All right, all right. It, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a time of hope. Uh, for some people it's like, thank goodness 2022 is over with. Looking forward to a new year, no doubts. This week, the gyms will be full. The libraries will be filled with people who have committed to read a certain amount of books over the year. Diets will begin. But you know, this morning, I want to present to you a New Year's resolution that I think many of us would benefit from, if not all of us. How many of you ever in your life 
have struggled with anxiety. Any moment in your life have struggled with anxiety. Here, let me give you a quick definition of, of anxiety. This is just a very basic definition. It is the body's response to worry and fear. Most of us, if not all of us, have had times where we are worrying about something, that we are fearful of something happening. Here, here are some symptoms uh, of anxiety, and they're not limited to these. Restlessness, feeling on edge, fatigue, difficulty focusing, irritability, feelings of worry that are difficult to control, difficulty sleeping. Here's some more serious symptoms. Heart palpitations, sweating and chills, shaking, trembling, shortness of breath, sense of terror, and feeling a loss of control. Anxiety can create quite the chaos in our lives, can it? It has led people to the extreme of even taking their own lives. Let me share with you a few statistics that I found on singlecare.com this week. An estimated 31% of adults will be diagnosed with some kind of anxiety disorder in their lifetime. It's estimated that 264 million adults around the globe are currently dealing with some kind of anxiety disorder. It's the most common disorder in the U, mental disorder in the U.S., affecting nearly 40 million people. So what do we do with anxiety? First of all, let me be clear. I think in certain instances, it is necessary for medical professionals to be sought out. There are times that's not for me to decide. There are certain times where we need to see professionals because it might get to the place where we are, we are completely out of control. I do not want to simply say it is just about believing the right things about God. Are we clear on that? However, we must be careful that we don't neglect the spiritual side of it. Anxiety has been a part of my life as long as I can remember. It, it is still an ongoing battle that I have to wrestle with from time to time. And there is one thing that I have found to be absolutely true. We cannot neglect seeking the Lord in the midst of our anxiety. Our temptation may be to only run to the medical professionals for help and fail to seek the Lord. Our focus today is going to be on the necessity to seek the Lord in the midst of our anxieties. And so this morning, I want to look at how to fight anxiety in the new year. So follow along with me. I'm going to read Luke 12, starting in verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, 
how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your God's, your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the reminder of our Savior who has paid the ultimate price for our ultimate problem, our sin. And Lord, whoever here has genuinely repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, God, we have freedom. Father, we have no need to worry because we have you. We have everything we need in you. And so, Lord, this morning, if for those of us who struggle regularly with anxiety, I, I pray that you would encourage us this morning, that you would remind us of the hope that we have in you, the hope that we have in a loving, caring Father. Father, that we would not look outside of you and your word in our anxieties, but that we would first and foremost go to you in our need. And I pray that we would find help, that we would find encouragement, that we would find strength. Father, encourage us this morning. Prepare us for the new year, Lord, that we would have many anxious free days because of our hope that is placed in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we break down this passage, I want to give us five ways that we can fight anxiety in the new year. Five ways that we can fight anxiety in the new year. Here's number one. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. So here's the setting of this verse. This is, this is Jesus and we see in verse 22 that he is speaking to his disciples. These are, these are his genuine, close followers that he is speaking to, having the conversation with. And notice, what's the first word that he says that we see here? Therefore. What do we do when we see therefore? We see what it's there for, right? Like it's referring to something that has already been said. And if you look back, we're not going to go into it, but we see that it was the parable of the rich fool. And the rich fool saw all that he had and realized, you know what? I could have even more, and I could be, I could be partying. I could take it real easy if I just tore down these barns and built bigger ones and store up even more stuff for myself. 
and then I'll be set for life, and then I can eat, drink, and marry, and be party, because I'll be set. He was putting all of his hope in the temporary. He was finding the security in his temporary. And, and then what happens at the end, it says, you fool. You put all of the hope in this, and your life is being demanded of you today. Like, we don't get to take everything that we build up here with us when we die. He's saying that's a waste of time to put all of your energy, all of your hope, all of your focus in the temporary. And that's what leads, us, leads him to say this in verse 22 to his disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about the necessities, the bare necessities, the simple things. Don't sweat the small stuff. And he gives us this illustration. I imagine they're walking, and he sees this bird. He says, consider the ravens. Anybody do any bird watching this week? Certainly, I'm sure ravens is not at the top of your list. Man, we need to find a raven today. Now, here's a picture of a raven for you. Consider the raven. I mean, not, not really the type of bird that I'm looking for. Like, why not like an eagle? Why couldn't there have been like a falcon or something there? How many of you drive up and down 17 on the way to church or often? Uh, so we drive up and down all the time. And there's this falcon. I think it's a, fal a hawk, a falcon. I don't know what it is. That, that's perched on one of the posts. Like one of the posts all along there all the time. And I love big birds. I mean, that's the kind of bird I want to watch. Like those are those fascinating, massive wingspan. But no, consider the raven, an unclean animal, really a scavenger. This is the one that... He wants you to consider. Here's a, some few facts about ravens. Did you know that Noah, the first bird that he released, was a raven? Elijah was fed by ravens while in the wilderness. And Edgar Allan Poe wrote a creepy poem about a raven. This is a filthy kind of bird, and yet, yet Jesus is saying to the disciples, just just consider the raven. Do, do you see him worrying about what he's going to eat? Do you see him planting and sowing and praying for a harvest? No. But yet Jesus, God provides for the ravens. And here's what he wants to say to you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Don't worry about what is in your bank account. Don't look at the things, the necessities of life and let that lead you to fear. Jesus is saying, if, if I'm going to take care of the ravens, how much more valuable are you? Brothers and sisters, the way to fight anxiety is to put our hope in God who says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of the basic necessities. I'm not going to let you starve. This is the promise of God to his people. Perhaps your bank account makes you nervous or your retirement isn't where it needs to be for you to retire. Don't worry about that stuff. If Jesus is going to feed the filthy ravens, he's going to provide for you. 
Don't sweat the small stuff. Look at verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Here's number two. Hand over the keys. Hand over the keys. Here we see Jesus asking some rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is one that you don't need to answer, right? Like you, the answer is obvious, and the answers here are obvious. Who of you, after being anxious, has added a single second to their lives? How, how many of you, after a season of anxiety, think, man, you know what? That just added, that just added years to my life. I feel so refreshed because of all this anxiety that I've allowed to, to dwell within me. Man, what a refreshing time this has been. I feel so much younger because of all the anxiety that I have allowed to live within me. Nobody says that. Anxious, anxiety adds nothing to our lives. And, and Jesus says, if you can't do that, then why are you worrying about the rest? Jesus is saying, lay it down. Hand over the keys. You're not the one who is in control. Isn't that the key? Isn't that a big part of our anxiety is because we think somehow we have control? Like we think somehow, you know, how many of you love backseat drivers? Right? Like who critiques every single move you, you may? You're going too fast. Hey, there's brake lights three miles ahead of you. Slow down. You know what I mean? Like nobody likes a backseat driver. And yet that's how we act with God, isn't it, in our lives. We, we try to fight for the keys. We try to fight for control. And when we think we have control, then that leads us to great anxiety because we realize very quickly we don't have control over so many things, so many things of our lives we have no control over. The reality is we are dependent people, but often we depend on unstable things. Perhaps it's, a, it's in another person and a decision that they may or may not make. Parents, you ever feel that with your kids? Anxiety over what will they do with their life? What will happen when they leave the nest? Are they going to make the right decisions? I'm sure many of you are watching the stock market in retirement, your retirement accounts. 2022 was not a very fair, pleasing season for us, if that's what we're doing. It wasn't overly prosperous. But we can't control that. Perhaps you've made a pitch at, in, in your job looking to build more cu customers, and, and you're fearful of what may happen if they turn you down because this is just a yet another opportunity that has gone by the wayside, and so you anxiously await for the decision of the customer. You have no control over these things. We can't control them. And being anxious about them will not add a single second to our lives. Isn't it quite the opposite? Anxiety causes our quality of life to shrink. And much of our anxiety comes from a place of refusing to give up control. 
Are you aware of that, brothers and sisters, this morning? That there are so many things that you just don't have control over. So many things that get in the way if we think we have control. But let's be honest here. Some of the time, our anxiety is caused by our own foolishness, isn't it? We make stupid decisions. We're undisciplined. I think I read this quote to you a while ago, but this is just, this is not left me. I'm not sure who said it, uh, but it's, the quote is this, an undisciplined life is a life of fear. If we are dealing with anxiety, a good question may be to ask ourselves, is there a reason for it? You know, you have that fear of people finding out who you really are. Is there legitimacy to that? Is there hidden sin that leads you to anxiety? My encouragement for you is if you, are, if you are one who is regularly anxious, is there a reason for it? Is there unrepentant sin? It may be the Holy Spirit telling you something's wrong. You keep living a certain way and you're not changing. My encouragement to you is find somebody who, a brother and sister in Christ, who, who you, could, you could talk these things through. But here's the thing, it all comes back to this, like, we do not have control. God is the one who is in control. And by being anxious, it adds nothing to our lives. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, hand over the keys. Another way to fight anxiety, number three. Trust in God's promises. Trust in God's promises. Look at verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Trust in God's promises. Jesus gives another illustration. Perhaps he looks in the distance and he sees this beautiful field of lilies. Have you ever seen a field that's just growing with wildflowers? Like just, oh. like I, I'm, I, I confess, I'm not really a country guy, but I, I, I'd rather live kind of in a suburb and, and drive through the country. I like that. But there are times where you drive through the country and you just see the, the beauty of God's creation. Here, here's a picture of some lilies that you might see out in the wild. Unfortunately, see, I'm helping you think of spring. Spring's coming, right? The days are getting longer. The lilies will come eventually. Consider the lilies. They're quite beautiful. And yet, when, when you think about Solomon, one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest man to ever live, you got you to believe this is a king. You got to believe that like his stuff, like he was top of the line dressed. And yet... What he wore doesn't even compare to the beauty of God's creation, to the beauty of the lilies. Not even Solomon in all his splendor compared to them. And so if, if, if God is going to clothe the lilies with such beauty, grass that tomorrow 
dies, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You see, the reason why we struggle with anxiety is because we have weak faith. It's because we are putting our faith in the wrong things. And we need to learn to trust in God's promises. We need to stop doubting. Don't worry about food and drink. Don't look for hope and comfort in worldly things. Trust in the promises of God. If I'm honest, I think one of the main reasons, if not the main reasons, why we struggle so bad with anxiety is because we aren't trusting God's promises. We aren't believing the truth of what God has already said. And maybe a lot of the problem is, is we're just not in the word of God to hear his promises. Why do, we have, why do we encourage the church to read through the Bible in a year? It's so that you can be filled with the word of God, that you can discipline yourself to be in the word. Because naturally, we don't wake up wanting to read. I don't. But we need the encouragement from God's word because it's in, in his word that we find his promises. Hebrews 13.5, let me read that for you. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me read that again. Keep your life free from the love of money. I think you could also say, keep your life free from finding security in money. Be content with what you have, because here's where great contentment comes. Here's where the great treasure is. Here's where the great promise lies. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't this essentially what Jesus was telling the disciples? Be content with what you have. Don't chase after wealth thinking somehow that's going to bring you comforts. That's going to bring you security. Don't chase after temporal things. Why? Because you already have the greatest treasure possible. You have Jesus who paid the price for your greatest problem. Your greatest problem isn't found in the lack of numbers in your bank accounts. Your greatest problem is found in your heart in Jesus, paid the price by dying for the sin that dwells there. So through our faith and repentance in Christ, we find freedom. Brothers and sisters, do you remember this morning that you are free in Christ? Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Are you a man or a woman or child of the Bible? Do you regularly run to the promises of God that remind us of these great truths? Too often we live as though we don't believe the promises. So there's two ways to answer, do you trust in God's promises? One, like, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I memorize scripture. I read the Bible. Yeah, I trust in God's word. And then the other one is really taking a look at our lives to see, am I living as though I believe it's true? If I am living in a constant state of anxiety and there are seasons where I find myself there, and for me, it has always been I am failing to trust in a promise of God. It's failing to lean on the promises of God. 
But what difference does it make knowing our heavenly Father will never leave us or forsake us? The problem is we're just not impressed. Right? We want somebody right there with us. But the Father, the Creator, He's with us even now. I want you to turn with me. Keep your finger here. We're going to come back. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You've heard me read from this, and I'm just going to tell you, this, this will, I will be in this book for the rest of my life, this chapter, just a phenomenal chapter of God's promises. Romans 8, let me read for us, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me, let me ask you. If God is for you, who can be against you? No one. We don't have to worry about what other people think of us because God has already paid the price for our sin. If we have truly repented of our sin and placed our faith in Christ, I do not need to worry. Believe me, brothers and sisters, I'm preaching myself this morning. I do not need to worry about what others think of me. Verse 32, I mean, this is what says it all. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What is that saying? Brothers and sisters of Christ, you have been given everything. God spared no expense for your pardon. He gave his son to pay the price for your sins that you may be made right. How will he not also you graciously give you everything you need for this life? He spared nothing. Everything else that comes to us outside of his salvation work through Christ is less than that. So, so why would we expect him not to meet us where we're at when we're struggling? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, who was condemned for us. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That blows my mind. Right now, before the throne of God, we have a perfect plea. Christ interceding for us. Brothers and sisters, you dealing doubts this morning? Satan wanted to remind you of all the ways that you screwed up this week. Jesus is pleading his blood for you. Are you trusting in the promises of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not poverty, not starvation, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you trusting in the promises of God that God cares intimately for you? The one who put a million stars in the sky cares 
personally for you. He's not like a father who has 10 children he's got to tend to. He can be with each of us as intimately as possible without ever losing that intimacy. As parents, we are limited, are we not? If you have one child, you're limited. You're distracted. God never gets distracted from us. Brothers and sisters, do you know God's promises? And secondly, are you trusting in them? Turn back to Luke 12 and look at verse 30 again. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, food, clothing, drink. And your father knows that you need them. So what he's saying there is like, stop worrying about that. Stop worrying about those things. God knows that you need them. Instead, spend your time seeking his kingdom. And these things that you need will be added to you. Here's number four. Pursue God's kingdom. Pursue God's kingdom. Jesus here points out that the world is obsessed with the temporal. And it does everything it can to protect, doesn't it? Everything it can to protect the temporal things and, 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 and hoard it. And our temptation is to build bigger barns so that we're, we feel more secure. The world finds its hope in the things of the world. And ultimately, it just doesn't satisfy, does it? And we often find that to be true in our own lives. We have tasted and seen that the world is not good. It's not lasting. Over the years, I have learned a lot about my desires and how I want more sometimes. You ever feel like, man, I would be content if I just had a little bit more. Man, I'm just, Lord, just to have a little bit of cushion. And you know what happens every time? God provides that little bit of cushion and then you know what I say? Man, just, a, just a little bit more. It, it's seeking the things of this world. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God. Focus not on the here and now, but on the eternal. Why do we exist as a church? What was our mission? Glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Is there anything more valuable in the long run than investing in loving Christ and making disciples. Nothing else in the spectrum of eternity is going to matter. Seek the kingdom. And really, I'm just going to jump right into our last point because it really leads right into it. Our last point is this. Treasure what is most important. Seek the kingdom Seek God's kingdom, pursue God's kingdom, and then treasure what is most important. Look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't, don't you love the tender heart of Christ here? 
Fear not, little flock. This is where I, I, I just wish I knew what Jesus was thinking when he said that. Like, what was he aware of what some of these disciples would face for following Christ? Many of them would literally lose their lives to take him. Like, is he, is he, does he think that? I don't know. But yet we see the tender heart of Christ who says, don't worry about these things. Protect your heart. Protect what you treasure the most. Protect what matters most to you. Do not fear about everything else. Just focus on me. Don't get wrapped up with toys. Don't hold on to earthly possessions. All these things will pass. So store up treasures in heaven. Live your life in such a way that it expresses your hope in the eternal. You know, for Christmas, many of you, I'm sure, received nice things, things that you're appreciative of. But we must guard our hearts in finding joy in stuff. Isn't it amazing if you have more than one kid and you, you buy gifts for your kids like the very next day, they have tossed aside what they have received, and they're, they're wanting what their sibling has, and all of a sudden that other sibling turns into Gollum, you know what I mean? My precious! Mom! <laughs> What's happening there? They're putting their treasure in the things of this world. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that our temptation all the time is to put our joy, put our Hope in the things of this world. We have to guard ourselves to make sure we have one treasure. We must make sure our treasure is one that will last forever. You know, our family is, is starting to, um, probably going to cry here, so just bear with me. I'm going to apologize to my wife because I'm probably going to make her cry too. But we're in the process of, of uh, you know, working through our oldest who's graduating from college and starting to plan for graduation. And, and, you know, she's more than likely going to leave for college. And for those of you who experienced the first time, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe it gets easier. I don't know. Maybe you're glad to see your kid go to college. I don't know. But we're, we're struggling with that. It's, a, it's, a, it's like this joy and this struggle and this, like, sadness. As we look at our little girl and think, weren't we just holding her? Weren't we just at the hospital? And yet, if all my joy goes into having my kids in the nest, I'm setting myself up for anxiety. See, the reality is, is, is Reese is headed to, Lord willing, a, a Christian school to pursue ministry of some sort. What greater treasure is there than to see your kids walking with the Lord? Brothers and sisters, what are you treasuring this morning? If you are treasuring something that somebody else can affect, you are placing it in the wrong things. If moth and rust can destroy, if thieves can steal it, brothers and sisters, you have an idolatry problem. 
And I want to encourage you to lay it down. Put your hope and your treasure in the things that last. Put your hope in Christ, the one who has paid the ultimate price for you. So as we close this morning, let me ask you, are you sweating the small stuff? Are you worrying about provision for the simple things that God has already promised he's going to take care of you, just like he's taking care of the ravens, just like he's clothed the lilies? He will take care of your basic necessities. Are you fighting for control? Remember, ultimately, there is very little you can control, and worry has never added anything to anyone's life. Hand over the keys. Are you remembering God's promises? Are you in the word of God to know them? And then are you trusting those promises? Trust that God will do what he says he will do. What kingdom are you living for? Are you looking to grow your worldly kingdom? Are you looking to live your best life now? Or are you looking forward to the kingdom of God? Lastly, where's your treasure? Store up treasures where thieves can't steal and moths can't destroy. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. That's how we can fight anxiety this new year. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, for your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us. I pray for the people here this morning. I pray that you would encourage their hearts. Lord, I pray for those who, like me, struggle a lot with anxiety. I pray that we would remember who our God is. Re that we would remember that our God will never leave us or forsake us. So God, teach us contentment with where we're at. Keep us from putting our hope and stuff in the things that we own. That we would not live for the temporal, but that we would live for the eternal. God, we need your help because we so easily get sidetracked with the pains of life. But God, I find great hope, Lord, and even... Even verses like John eleven thirty five, 35, where we see Jesus wept over Lazarus' death, even though he was about to raise him from the dead. Like, we see your compassion and, and the fact, God, that you are interceding for us, Lord. Thank you that even in our anxieties that we will live in this year, that you are an ever-present help in time of need. God, grow our hearts in you. Help us to continually trust in your promises. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with a few action steps. If you want to go a little further, encourage you to spend some time memorizing God's word. Luke 12, 29 through 31, that's a passage that we just read. Uh, another thing, uh, uh, how many of you were able to read through the Bible in a year this year? We got a few, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I want to challenge you again. If you have not, if you started and you're down the road, keep it up. Don't start over again. All right, you're going to get bogged down in the Old Testament if you do that. <laughs> You're going to get stuck reading Leviticus and Numbers again, and you're going to be like, oh, Lord, help me. Here, here's an encouragement. I want, you to do, I want you to do it a little bit differently. 
I want you to, uh, we'll, we're going to send uh, something this week, uh, reading the Bible through chronologically. So if you start working through, through Genesis, you'll be fine for a while, all right? That'll keep you busy. And we'll get you a, uh, a reading thing. But I want you to read chronologically. Here's the beauty of reading it through it chronologically. All of a sudden, you start to see the story of David lined up with his Psalms, and it will just blow you away. Like, you just see, like, it, it, there, it's a powerful way to read the Scriptures as you see David battling with what you just read about what he did. Like, when he sins against Bathsheba, like, the sin with Bathsheba, what he does, and his response in Psalm 51 is super powerful. And so I want to encourage you, read through the Bible chronologically. Again, if you haven't finished, forget about the chronological and just keep going with what you're doing. Just keep reading through it. If it takes you two years, praise the Lord, just keep reading. That's the point. A couple questions for you to think about. Where is your treasure stored? We've, we beat that to death, but where's your treasure stored? Can, Roth, can, can rust, can moth destroy it? If so, you got your treasure in the wrong place. Can thieves take it away? You put it in the wrong place. And then lastly, what kingdom are you living for? What kingdom are you living for? Well, church, let me remind you as we head into the new year, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine so that others may see your good works, not so that you can boast and stick out your chest, but so that you, you can point to the Savior, that you can give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Love you guys. Have a great New Year.